Hello and welcome to Michael's Podcast, a podcast which hosts my unfiltered, unscripted, and genuine thoughts about things going on in the entertainment world today. This week we'll bring a guest on. His name is Austin Lord. We're talking about him, uh, his taste, how we got introduced to Letterboxd, um, and why he doesn't watch foreign films, among some other things. I hope you guys enjoy, and please step into my office. And we are back for another episode of Michael's Office. And it's been a bit. I'm glad that I'm getting close to a weekly schedule, and I hope to continue that with my next guest. Um, But the guest I have right now, I know him pretty well. I mean, I. I don't know him extremely well, but you know what? It is what it is. But um, this guest uh, I've known through uh, Letterboxd and Instagram. We've talked to each other and we've gone on really well. He's really cool. Got a really amazing taste in film. And I love everything that he's recommended to me or I've seen that he's wanted everybody to watch through the film club. And we'll talk about that later. But uh, yeah, uh, my guest is Austin Lord. Austin, could you uh, introduce for our listeners out there? Hey, Michael. Um, so, uh, what do you what do you want me to say? Just like a general about myself. Yeah, basically, like introduce yourself. Like, uh, what since you graduated college? What was your major? Um, what are you doing now? What are your job? What are your interests? Basically, just talk about yourself. This is not a job interview. I promise you. It's. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So um, my name is Austin Lord, and I went to the University of Florida. Uh, as you just said, I graduated. I was a statistics major, and I had a minor in actuarial science, which is my career path. Uh, basically, it's just risk analysis and insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just I just graduated two or three weeks ago now, and mm-hmm. got a job lined up. Um, and I like movies, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> no. <power>. Yeah, <laughs> basically. But movies suck, you know. Movies are bad. <laughs> yeah, I, movies. And I, also, I also like bugs a lot, which I think yeah. we'll get into later. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so one thing that you pointed out, I know this is one of the topics that uh, I gave you, but um, you pointed out that your career path is your major, I mean, your minor, but usually it's like the opposite way around. Why, why would you do the thing like something like statistics being your major? I mean, statistics is great. I like statistics. I can't speak statistics. I'm not really good at it, but I love doing it because I found it really interesting. But why did you choose your career path to be your minor while something that's like statistics being your major? You know what I mean? Right. Um, uh, just to add on to what you said, I'm also not very good at statistics. Somehow I <laughs> managed to get this major, but. <laughs> so my university doesn't offer like an actuarial science major, uh, like a lot of other schools do. So this one doesn't, mm-hmm. so you had to do a minor in it to like have your focus. But um, typically, like if you're on track to be an actuary, you do some sort of math related field or like economics or finance. And I picked statistics because uh, I'm pretty good at math, but like not like real math, like the proof based mm-hmm. stuff, that you, like the higher level stuff. 
and yeah. statistics was, was pretty easy for me. So until it got to the higher level, but but yeah, that's that's pretty much what I did because it was the easiest option. Mm-hmm. That would also still put me on track to do what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I had. I love, I mean, I, as I said, I'm not good at it, but I love statistics. I love the, like, it's just so cool figuring out like, oh, this amount of people like this thing or this amount of people are doing this thing. And I learned out that causation doesn't equal correlation. It's really cool. It's just, I'm not good at it. <laughs> right. Yeah. It gets, it gets really complicated when you get further on, like in the higher level, mm-hmm. in the higher level stats courses, because you have like you have classes just like for a specific type of like data analysis like last semester i took a class called categorical data where it's like analyzing data it's like you ask someone like hey what's your favorite color or something because you can't you can't analyze that data in the same way as like analyzing heights of people or weights of people things like that it's really complicated Mm -hmm. when you get to the high levels but it's also always really interesting Um, so what exactly is, you said, is it auxiliary science? I forgot. Um, I feel so bad. It starts with an A. The, the, <laughs> yeah, career, a lot of people don't know what it is. Um, um why so, did you want to do that? Uh, so I entered college as an engineer because I was good at math and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I figured out after my first semester that I didn't want to be an engineer because it was really hard. Like I, had to, <laughs> I had to set up like a course, like a four-year plan for like my college. And it turned out that that was actually a five-year plan because it was like so many credit hours. And some of the classes, so I was like, nope, this is not for me. This sounds really hard. So then I figured, mm-hmm. what can I do with, math like you know because i'm good at math i'm good at applying it but i didn't really know what to do with it so i i pretty much just like looked through stuff and this this field was sort of something that was a perfect blend of of everything that i needed because i'm practical practical parts of math but i I don't get very deep in it so this is a really good like intersection where i can just do uh honestly i don't really know fully what an actuary does because i haven't done it but basically it's it's like business math at a more advanced level Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's uh that's very uh uh, when you said i don't know what it exactly does that sounds kind of scary (laughs) because it's like like i bet it's scary for you like i don't know exactly what it does but I might have an idea and is it, is it terrifying that you don't know exactly what it does, even though it's like your minor or something like that? Or is it like... a little bit? Yeah. So it's, it's pretty funny too, because so I've had an internship for the past year mm-hmm. working as one, but I still don't really know entirely. Like it's, it's really complicated. A lot of stuff that like, I just kind of goes over my head just because I'm new to the field. And it really depends on where you work, what company you work for, what type of insurance you do. Um, But basically, like from the most um, simplistic way of explaining it, it's just risk analysis. Um, So basically what I do is I take data from like 
insurance rates for month to month basis and I price them. Um, so that's pretty mm -hmm. much what I did, but it really depends on where I'm at in the, uh, like what department I'm working in. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, um, yeah. Uh, so let me see. Um, well, uh, where did your, um, love for movies start since we're eventually going to get into that where did your what do you think your love for movies start was it like a single film like oh man that's a thing or has it been like a gradual thing have you were you introduced it at a young age was it like your friends like you were like a casual movie watcher and then uh friends introduced you to something else and you were like super into it or was it like your own type of thing how did you really get into movies yeah, that was, like, my sort of, like, my own thing, because my experience with it is a lot different than others, because I actually, like, I just was, like, this is such a waste of time, I don't want to watch them, up until I graduated from high school four years ago. Mm -hmm. um, when I graduated high school, I made, like, a resolution. I was, like, I want to get more cultured. I want to learn more about all different types of art forms like books like you know literature movies all all that jazz music um but i i kind of ended up zoning in on just movies because that's one of the easiest art forms to actually understand like literature mm -hmm. is like you know it takes up a lot more time music is is kind of abstract in comparison to movies because movies have all different types of elements of like all different art forms um, so what I did was I went to the IMDb top 250 and I just started working through it mm -hmm. and I watched the matrix. Uh, that was, that was a good movie. I watched fight club. That was the main one for me because I remember when I watched fight club, I was like, Whoa, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> I didn't know you could do that with movies. I thought movies were just Disney because I mm -hmm. really had no idea what movies were. <laughs> or what yeah. to do with movies. So yeah, there were a couple movies that got me into it, but mainly it was me wanting to learn more. Mm -hmm. so that got me mm -hmm. into it. Gotcha. So you were a film bro at one point. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Fight Club was my favorite movie for about a year and a half. Hmm. <laughs> wow i can't that seems so like such an odd concept to me now that yeah. austin being a film bro <laughs> yeah i know so, right like i i sort of like i i like went through all the phases very quickly and then yeah i was i was film bro for a little bit and now i, I got a lot deeper very quickly hmm ah uh... Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, so you are into bugs and this will lead into the next topic, but how'd you get interested in bugs? I mean, I was interested in bugs at one point. I think every boy at one point was at least interested in bugs in some way, shape or form. How did you keep that interest going or why are you so fascinated by these little 
uh, our, I was trying to think uh, these six-legged, eight-legged, ten-legged, million-legged creatures. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Like, you know, all every little boy liked bugs at one point. I used to go to my grandma's house and I used to, like, catch ants and then put them in little those little ant lion pits just to feed them. I thought that was really cool. But um wait wait I wait. thought it was pretty what? <laughs> you 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 caught ants just to feed them to the ant lions? Oh my god. Yeah, word. that was that was pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that sounds like horrifying for the ants. It's like oh, you're yeah. literally it's like the Rancor pit from Star Wars. It's like <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. like that sounds awful. I mean, it seems like fascinating, I bet at a, a young boy's age, but looking back at it now, that seems awful. It's like, kind of sadistic when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. But uh sorry for interrupting you. Continue yeah, no on. Problem. Um yeah, that was just like, you know, just a kind of weird little anecdote but you know there were all, all all sorts of things where i was like interacting with bugs as a kid um and i was kind of like them i didn't really like love them until i got into college and i took an entomology class and mm -hmm. then i took another one and then I, I took like five one five entomology classes before i graduated and yeah those were all really fun um i also remember this is I'm still I'm still waiting to go into the next topic, but we had this tiny debate on uh, Instagram where we said what was the best insect, and you said you had a really big fascination with dragonflies, and I thought the way you talked about them was fascinating, so I wanted you to share your love for dragonflies on the podcast. So why do you love dragonflies, Austin? <laughs> um, so is really mainly just like whichever one is like in the most highest abundance at the time. So right now it's just dragonflies, mm -hmm. but um, dragonflies, they're the most archaic insect. Um, they date back very far. Um, people analyze <laughs> the dragon wings because insects like wings, like no one really knows where they came from because, you know, it's like birds and bats, they have wings, but they developed from like an already existing appendage. But Insects, they just have them just like for no reason. People have no idea. So they use dragonflies to figure that out. And also, they're insane predators. So they have been recorded to have a 95% success rate when it comes to hunting predators. They are mm -hmm. fast. They have incredible compound eyes. And also, their, their uh, larval stages are semi-aquatic. So they just kind of crawl around in the water and eat fish and like just, you know, other smaller insects as well. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, they're, they're insane. They're fast too. Very, very fast. Um, and also like usually with like, I think only a few species have changed over time, but like the only way the diet, the dragonflies have changed. Well, obviously like probably their name, but also like their size, they were huge at one point. Oh, they didn't yeah. the design. They just were huge. Yeah. They were like, they got up to like three feet in wingspan. Whoo. Oh man. That's like kind of terrifying. Um, another yeah, animal. That was a lot bigger. So, uh, the oxygen levels used to be a lot higher back then, and 
that made it so that all invertebrates were able to become very massive. So anything <laughs> that was like, it was able to like, just grow to massive sizes. Mm -hmm. Like uh, the Arthropleura, the giant was huge. It didn't have as many legs as like centipedes we know now, but it was just, it was still very, very large. It was like, mm -hmm. it's about the size of a human and it's, Terrifying. <laughs> scary, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, but another animal that hasn't changed all that much are uh, the alligator and the crocodiles. They haven't changed all that much. They changed in size, but they haven't changed all that much. Like I'm pretty sure the uh, what is it? Not Suzuka Mimus. The um, uh, the the giant crocodile. It's not the Dino Sucus, but that's just literally a large gator. But um, it's the other one, the Seuss, the, uh, the, 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 I forgot what it's called. You know what I'm talking about, right? The, um, suck. I, I'm not entirely sure. Shoot. Uh, <laughs> one moment. Ah, Dinah. Sorry. In. Uh, uh, uh. There we go. Uh, the Sarcosuchus. There we go. The Sarcosuchus is just like a bigger version of the, the uh, the garl or whatever it's called and oh, um yeah i I've, I've known the the gario i believe that's i think that's yeah, it's probably right um but uh yeah i don't know what one you're talking about that sounds a little scary but <laughs> yeah it's just it's imagine it's really large large version of that and the snout is longer and it's a bit wider uh has the same type of snout but it's wider it's it's scary <laughs> yeah. and that's actually like an interesting somewhat of a transition because i'm actually in florida i don't know if we were planning on talking about that but i'm located in florida we got lots of alligators all over the place mm. i remember a large body of water there's there's probably an alligator <laughs> don't you have like i know in the Everglades. have you ever been to the everglades no that's in that... okay is that that's in florida right i'm like it is but i i've just never been oh i think they have like crocodiles and alligators and like what is it the other one it's like a it's the smaller the carmiles caiman they have all all three of them living together in the everglades what a place <laughs> i would love to go there at some point i i would too also quick question disneyland or universal studios if you've ever been to both uh yeah i haven't been to disney in like a very long time but i remember universal studios being a lot more fun because i'm i'm a more of a roller coaster person and that has a lot more mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay cool um now we're gonna combine both the insects and the movies and uh what are your opinions about like the movies that deal with nature and how often do you see them um and such like for example uh terrence malick is one who often is a director who often deals with nature and um yeah so how many movies have you seen did that deal with nature and like what are your favorite examples and then i'll bring up some examples that you may not have mentioned in your thoughts about them if you've seen them okay um so i've not seen enough <laughs> i i would say that that's probably one of my one of my biggest blind spots um because I would say if I want to watch something that deals with nature, I'd rather just like 
go to nature or like just watch a documentary. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if I've seen a lot of like fictional like movies that deal with nature. Uh, one of the mm -hmm. examples that you put was was Grizzly Man. That's a documentary. I saw that. That was was really good. Um, uh, My Octopus Teacher. I I really loved that one. But I'm I'm like struggling to think of like a nonfiction like non documentary one. Other than yeah, I can't. Now. I can't think of anything. I mean, you could do anything David Attenborough's done, which he's a great, great narrator. I love him to death. Um, uh, so, like, have you seen, like, the one of those more, like, have you seen the Planet Earth documentaries he's done and um, the Blue Planet? Have you seen those documentaries? I seen those. Like, I've seen <gasps> But I haven't seen them. I know. It's crazy. I want to see them so badly. They used to be on Netflix like a long time ago. Mm -hmm. but, uh, I just never got around to them and I missed my shot, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they're, I think they're back. They may be back on Netflix because David Attenborough is like had a, a Netflix documentary. Mm -hmm. So, um, which was really good. The one that just came out, it was called Life in Color. I don't know if you've heard of that or seen it but uh, I, i've seen advertisement for it. i thought it was an old one to be honest <laughs> i thought it was an old one yeah i, I saw that recently that was really good um i kind of want to go into like a lot more of the nature documentary it's, mm -hmm. always fun. um now uh going to the fictional one have you seen both bugs life and ants um i've been a long time i think i've seen both of them Mm -hmm. I was going to ask, which one do you think better depicts ants than the other? But since it's been a while. Um... I feel like probably Bugs Life, just because that's one of the more well-known ones. I would assume that that one is just better just because, you know, popularity. Mm. Okay. Okay. But unfortunately, I, I don't <laughs> I don't have a, a proper answer for that. Aw. Well, um... Are there any like documentaries or not fictional movies that you do want to see that do deal with nature or um, none come to mind right now? Uh, yeah, definitely the, the planet Earth. Are you saying nonfiction or fiction? None. It doesn't either or either or. <laughs> yeah. So definitely the David Attenborough ones. That one. Absolutely. Um, Got to watch a little bit more Malik. Definitely. <laughs> Uh, some more Werner Herzog. Um, those are like the big ones, I would say, the ones that I'm missing out on. Mm. Cool. Well, I mentioned in my introduction to you that I met you through Letterboxd. Mm -hmm. um, how did you encounter Letterboxd? I think people may have similar stories, but it was uh, like they, they introduced to their YouTube, their watch. How did you... A YouTuber they watched. How did you get introduced to Letterboxd? Um, so what I was saying earlier, when I was when I was trying to, when I was first getting into movies and I was looking through IMDb's top two fifty, mm -hmm. um, I was kind of getting bored and I, I wanted to like search for more stuff. So I I started looking up like uh, you know stuff that should be in the IMDb top two fifty just on Google. And I found like a bunch of like Reddit threads that would 
deal with that and they're like hey this like letterbox top 250 is so so much better because it's got like a lot more diversity mm-hmm. and this was about three years ago so um i saw that list and i was like whoa i've never heard of like any of these because they're all like just like foreign language stuff mostly like a lot more like artsy stuff mm-hmm. but um i made an account on letterbox about three years ago so wow yeah um how would you say that's uh, affected your your taste and your um affected you as a uh, a movie lover oh it's definitely definitely helped a lot it made me it sort of like reinvigorated it in a way because um i was always focused on just imdb so i was just focused on something that was already existing but once I got to Letterboxd and went into the social media aspect, it started to turn into um, me finding recommendations from like people that I actually know, like people that I've met through through Letterboxd. So it seems a lot more personalized. I found a lot more stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the lists on Letterboxd are very useful. Oh, oh yes, oh yes. Um... What are the, some of the, like, most... I'm going to want to talk about the most positive things you've gotten out of it. I mean, you already mentioned, probably I've already mentioned it, but I also want to talk about the negatives because I like highlighting both aspects of certain things. So what would you say, other than the things I mentioned, you mentioned, what are the other really positive aspects you get from Letterboxd? I used to use, like, an Excel spreadsheet to log everything, but this mm-hmm. is a lot more useful. I like having everything in one place. I like the stats. You know, when you when you get the pro, you get your stats, and that's that's something that I really like to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I think I already mentioned that, but I've met so many cool people through there that I, you know, moved the relationship over to Instagram to a more personal level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just reinvigorated my love for film. Mm-hmm. And some of the negative aspects that come with having a letterbox. I mean, this comes with any social media, mm-hmm. like form of social media. There's always a negative. If you don't have a negative, then maybe you're just either have rose colored glasses or it is <laughs> perfect. I highly, I highly doubt that there isn't a negative with any form of social media. What mm-hmm. would you say are some of the negatives that come with the app or the website? Or um, the- yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely a few negatives. I mean, all social media does come with some drawbacks. Um, I find myself sort of turning it into a chore watching movies sometimes because of it. Because you know, when I watch something, I'm I'm always thinking like, what am I gonna write about, or like, what mm-hmm. am I gonna, you know, what what's my rating gonna be, or something like that. And yeah. sometimes I I sort of make myself have like a schedule in a way because I'm like, oh, if I don't if I don't watch something this week, then like people are gonna like unfollow me and stuff yeah yeah there's definitely a lot of pressure that i put on myself but but i think that there's also the community does put a lot of pressure on on that because yes on like instagram people don't post like every single day but on a, a site that's so like specific you know, a site just for people who love movies, like every single person on there like watches something every day. 
I yeah. do sometimes compare myself to other people, you know, it's like, oh, this guy's watching this Bergman movie. I've always wanted to watch that. Why am I not watching that? You know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, I may have mentioned this in a previous episode. Um, go listen to them, by the way. Now, I was talking to talking to my listeners. I mean, you can't. But um, it's like I agree with the fact that you like have this invisible like pressure, this pressure put on you. Like you, if, for example, I write really long reviews, and I feel like, oh man, if I don't really like write this really long review, I'm not keeping up with my reputation. Or if I just log mm-hmm. this new, newer film. Um, people aren't going to be as like happy when they don't see another review by me. And also that, again, that rating, like what am I going to rate this? What am I going to say? Because sometimes you do get these like really brilliant pieces of writing, but then it just kind of ruins your experience. And um, very rarely, like I, it's so much more gratifying when sometimes a film can just make you forget about it. Like I've, I haven't had that experience in a bit. But when I'm like, I don't care about what I'm going to write about or what I'm going to write, I'm just going to enjoy the movie. And um, that's a really satisfying experience to feel. Again, I know that's really odd because that's usually what people who don't have Letterboxd feel like or have to review things feel like. But it's just like, it's so, I think it's a lot more satisfying when you eventually do break free of those chains of like, man, I know, I don't know what I'm going to write about, but I really love this film and I just want to be invested in the story and stuff like that yeah oh another thing i just thought about was as with any social media you you do definitely have a reputation that you feel like you have to keep up um so like sometimes it feels like i'm not watching movies for myself because i'm i'm like i gotta watch this type of movie all the time i have to keep up you know this sort of image that i want other people to see me as it definitely doesn't happen as much but Whenever I first started, that was that was a definite thing that, that would happen a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, like when you said, I'm super excited for Godzilla versus Kong, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I didn't expect Austin to say that. Yeah. <laughs> because as a giant monkey fighting a giant lizard or um, you being super excited for the big next big block, I mean... I don't think anybody can, if people say I'm not excited for X blockbuster, I just feel like they're either lying to keep up a, a reputation or they're so, they're so snobby that I don't think they'd be exactly <laughs> the most fun at parties. If they do go yeah. to parties. like, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's, yeah, it's just that, ah, I don't know where I'm going with that. I just, it's just surprising when you don't have that pressure uh, or you don't when you say those things like I I'm excited for this or X and you know. Right. I remember you you talked about the people you've met through Letterbox and you've uh, from what I can tell through texts in the group chat and uh, video chats you've developed like these certain ways of interacting with people like with. Um, <laughs> Elena and Sophie and uh, Aaron, you all have like these very flirty. It's yeah, obviously yeah. You know, <laughs> it's a, little ob- of, a little bit of George as well, but George isn't as active. But yeah, yeah. there's just like some people that you just sort of mesh with in like certain chats, like especially like 
I think it, it really started whenever I first was in a chat with like Elena and Aaron. When I was when I was new to that chat, they already had that flirty thing and going on, and I was like, I want to join that. So I just, like, <laughs> inserted myself into it, and then kind of took over it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's it's really just like it starts with like two people doing it, and then someone's like, I want to do that too, and then everyone wants to join Mm -hmm. it's a a fun time and then with like you are you have like but that's not the only way you interact with like those like there's another people you interact in a special way i noticed with like um jack and you have like you kind you guys are kind of like um like i don't like jack's um you kind of have like I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to say, I don't want to sound offensive or anything. <laughs> like, you both act gay, and then, um, like, uh, <laughs> and then Quentin, you both, like, mess around, and then both you and Siegel, like, hate each other in quotation marks. Um, there are some other, you just have a very specific way of interacting with people whenever you're, like, you're comfortable around them. Mm-hmm. And do you think it's just, like, it's, like, this is so like super introspective and stuff, but like, do you think it just like starts with like, you like, like, uh, not calculate, but like, uh, what is the word? You, you like, um, feel a person out and like, okay, what are they like? And a certain conversation springs up and then it just basically harken back to it. This is like, sounds very sociopathic or like outsider looking in or introverted. Like how do people work? But I just, I just found it really interesting. And I just wanted to I talk about it, how you always have these very specific interactions with people you're, uh, you're friends with. Yeah, no, you're right with the, uh, just over time, it's just testing the waters really. Mm-hmm. Like there's mm-hmm. people that I I vibe with in a certain way. It's people that I don't, um, mm-hmm. and then I just go with it. Like I have different types of personalities that I <laughs> I use around different people, and it's not like they're like, oh, I'm just like doing this. It's like they're all just types of me, like types of things that I would like to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean that again. I think that just comes with everybody. Like like whether it be positive or negative yours is mostly positive but sometimes people just be certain people around certain people like they've like for example i noticed some of my friends like two of my girl friend friends that are girls like um they obviously like flirt with each other like they like make certain jokes and stuff like basically what you and elena do or you and aaron do but it's i've it's just the way they interact and i think it's just through um Again, like I think just people testing the waters and see what stick, like throwing things to the wall and seeing what sticks, and then that's how people mm-hmm. mesh and connect. And um, right. yeah, I'm sorry too. Just because like the, the chats, like there's so many different types of people in there that you mm-hmm. sort of just see that. Like there's just there's all different types of people. So like you have you can see right in front of you all the different types of like interactions instead of you know, one group where everyone acts a certain way, like one group where everyone acts a different way. And that's, it's a really cool thing to see, I think. Yeah, I, I, that's the, I think the positive, a positive social media is just, Mm -hmm. just having the recorded, um, record, but could be able to record conversations and, 
look back on um, things you've had. Um, another thing you're notable for when it comes to your letterboxed is you watching a lot of things on the Criterion Collection. I think that's, you introduced a number of people to it. Um, you're letting me use your Criterion channel account. Thank you so much. Um, how did you get introduced to the Criterion Collection and how did you become obsessed with it? And do you have any Criterion DVDs and merchandise and such? I am wearing right now a Criterion shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't um, even think about it. Like it wasn't planned or anything. It's just the shirt's so cool. Um, yeah, that's that's all the Criterion merch I have actually. I don't have any okay. DVDs or Blu-rays. I don't have any way to watch them. Um, you know, I'm still in my apartment from college, so I don't I don't have any anywhere to watch them. But uh, mm. once I get like a Blu-ray player, I will. I will absolutely start collecting. Nice. Um, how did I get into that? That's a really good question because I don't even really know. <laughs> um, I feel like it's it's sort of developed, you know, like my whole like movie development was a very linear, I guess. Like I started on IMDb, then I went to Letterboxd, and then I feel like the next step would be Criterion somehow. I don't know if that's right, but it was the movies that interested me were like ones that are like you know from different countries and artsy stuff like i i really am, am into art house movies a lot and mm -hmm. i think criterion collection just has everything that i'm looking for really mm -hmm. like all the movies that i like you can find on the criterion collection and I was waiting to get the Criterion channel for so long. And then last year for my birthday, my parents were like, what do you want? I was like, I want to get a subscription to the streaming service. And then that's pretty much all I watch now. Just because mm -hmm. I guess they just, they just connect with me more than like any other type of movie. Mm -hmm. um, how would you say they've influenced your taste? Um, and what after that what exactly would you say is your taste and don't say I just like good movies <laughs> that's like usually what people say when like what songs do you listen to and people jokingly respond the good <laughs> just, the good, just the good songs just the good like, you know, what, what, just what exactly would you describe your, your taste I mean that's a really hard question because that I don't know a really my hard taste. One because, yeah I've, I've struggle with that question as well um because i don't know i always feel like i'm like i know that this is the thing that i like and then it sometimes just messes up but uh, i like surrealism that's one of my mm -hmm. big, one of my things that i like a lot i like lewis bunwell he's one of my favorite surrealist filmmakers um uh i like slice of life type stuff mm -hmm. um I also just I also like movies where like just everything's really happy like in the young girls of Rochefort my favorite mm -hmm. um, I like fun but I also like not fun <laughs> absolutely no sense um, so what I'm guessing is you like you like a good action movie every once in a while but also then you mm -hmm. like 
uh, uh, I'm, I was going to say 120 days of Sodom, but I was like, <laughs> but I was trying to think of something that's just not fun, like a just a good old sad, like an el- an elephant standing still. That's a long movie, but that's yeah, just depression. Uh, just depression, <laughs> from what I understand, um, and that's not a fun experience. Yeah, I guess, but I guess my taste would just be everything. I I don't like discriminate. I I don't think at least like I'm I'm open to watching anything really. Um, but you know, except Shakespeare. <laughs> Yeah, those, those Shakespeare adaptations don't really work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm open to to any type of movie, but there is a specific type that I I am gravitated to. I'll pull up my favorite director list really quick. Yeah, I was just about to ask you, uh, what's your favorite? What are your favorite directors and films? Um, some of your favorite films and such. <laughs> all right got it um all right my favorite director is wong kar wai one of my favorites um i also like mm-hmm. fallen angels and all of his other films <laughs> i'm just gonna list all of them if i say that <laughs> I've, I've loved all of them i was thinking about this recently um there's like four directors where I would, where like everything is like perfect to me. Like everything that I watch is five. Mm-hmm. Um, Wong Kar Wai. Mm-hmm. Um, David Lynch. Love David Lynch. Uh, I know you do not love David Lynch. Uh, I love David Lynch. David Lynch movies are very those are the things that got me into like the the real weird stuff so mm-hmm. i love mm-hmm. that um i love lewis bunwell i said that earlier um so yeah I, I guess just like all bunch of surrealism i like paul thomas anderson boogie nights was my yeah. favorite for a long time uh and... wait for a long time do you have a new favorite paul thomas anderson oh no like my my all-time favorite like number one. oh okay Okay. Yeah, Boogie Nights for like a year and a half was my favorite. Um, and the director that I haven't mentioned yet, you can guess who it is. Um, is it is it Hitchcock? No, are you serious? You don't know? <laughs> no, I'm. I was. I was like, I'm. Uh, it's the um, is it the Les Samurai director, or is it Goddard? No, it's it's Andrzej Tarkovsky. Oh, duh, duh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, the four directors. I adore Andrzej Tarkovsky. I've seen all of his movies. So good. I need to see a Tarkovsky. I think it just sounds like Tarkovsky sounds like it's a perfect thing for me. It's slow. Yeah, no, it's you not... would love them. I think it's got from. I've seen one scene, the the stock scene from Stalker, where the writer's having his big monologue, where he's talking about like how. It's like a very existential, mon- existential monologue about how um, art has been corrupted by critics. And it's, again, like that reputation. It's a very, it talks about like reputation and expectations we put on ourselves and how art is perceived. It's such a good monologue. It's like this and it's slow and the acting's great and the writing seems amazing and it deals with mm-hmm. deeper themes and it looks beautiful. It just, it's it yeah. seems a very like, my type of thing <laughs> um yeah, but okay, what sorry, my, love my, about... 
my headphones cut out when you said the name of the movie. Were you talking about Stalker? Yeah, Stalker. Okay, yeah, yeah. I heard everything but the name, but yeah, Stalker's so good. I love that movie. Um, sorry for interrupting you, by the way, but... Um... No problem. Uh, just realized that I listed five directors. <laughs> oh, <laughs> darn! My, we're gonna have to talk about five directors. <laughs> but oh, why? Is, uh, yes. Hodorowsky. Ooh, who is that? And why do you love him? I we're basically gonna be talking about why do you love why these each of these directors are like your favorite. Why are they your favorite? So, um... so first with the. The last guy. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Alejandro <laughs> Podorowski. Mm-hmm. Definitely have heard of one of his movies. It's The Holy Mountain. Ah, yes. Yeah, I love that movie. I love that just because it's just like pure, like unadulterated uh, surrealism. Just mm. very weird, very, very crazy stuff. I love it. And why do you love Tarkovsky? I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nothing wrong with weird. Nothing wrong with weird. Everybody can exactly. love weird stuff. I mean, I, I do like bugs, though. There's that. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like I don't really know why. I can't, like, explain why, really. Like, his movies are just, like, nothing I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> I mean, I... It's so hard to explain because I, you haven't seen it, any of them. But um, there are textbook examples of it's not a film and it, it's an experience. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or whatever. But um, they are just like journeys. Like I will watch, I, when I watched uh, Stalker, which was my first one that I watched of his, I turned it on and I was just absorbed in the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Never had that happen to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like from what I understand, Tarkovsky is like a different version of of a Mal- of like watching a Malik film where Malik well they both like kind of deal with like a bit of an existentialism, but Malik's more about that, but he also deals with nature while they're both like philosophical in a certain way how do they compare and are are similar yeah that's a good point um they are definitely really similar i've never really thought of that um i would say mm, hmm. malik is a lot more introspective i would say Hmm. not that tarkovsky isn't but tarkovsky is like some of them are like societal, um, mm. but uh, they're all like very like atmospheric. Um, I always I like Malik as well. I really do like films, but I never really find myself like super absorbed into them. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tarkovsky, like I just Tarkovsky's a lot more slow paced. That's what I'm looking for. Tarkovsky mm. is very slow paced. Wow, even more than. The Malik? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, like seriously. Um, Stalker has like an average shot length of like four minutes. So wow, every shot goes on for very long, 
you know, there's there's times where like just nothing happens. <laughs> like like there's times where like the camera just holds on like nothing for like five mm -hmm. minutes. And like it sounds weird in like on paper, but like in the actual movie, like it works very well. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um so Tarkovsky, uh, Orozki, I, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing his name. Yep. Um, why do you like uh, Paul Thomas Anderson? Paul Thomas Anderson's just, he's just, he's got like a, he's the master of the medium, I, I think. <laughs> like, I feel like he's just, he just really knows how to make movies. Mm -hmm. Like, they're mm -hmm. always very, like, film broy but also like not like they, i feel like they they have like a very good intersection of like everything mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. i mean boogie nights which was my favorite for a very long time boogie nights is just fun yes um, but it also has like a lot to it like it's a, it's also pretty like deep pretty complex um i don't know mm -hmm. i just he's just a great director i I feel like he's one of the directors that did a good job at at uh, getting into the mainstream while also still being loved by movie lovers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Coen Brothers. Coen Brothers. Yeah. Like yeah, they are. They are. Um, another one you mentioned was I don't want to get into Wong Kar Wai yet. You mentioned. Mm -hmm. Um, other than Paul Thomas Emerson, Tarkovsky, and Orozki, I yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned somebody else, and I feel so bad. You mentioned two other directors, <laughs> I feel so bad. Yeah. So, David Lynch, yes, which, yeah, you don't like. I like him for all the reasons that you don't <laughs> <laughs> like everything that you don't like about him is like exactly why I love his movies. Like, his movies are just like dreams, like, they feel like dreams, they're very weird, very very off. I like him sort of for the same reason that I like Alejandro Hodorowski. Mm -hmm. I mean, what I think the reason why I got so upset, I may have to rewatch and watch a different one. I'm going to go into, I'm going to watch a razor head and um, the elephant man. And I'm going to go. I didn't realize that, uh, that David Lynch was all about your own interpretation. I thought it was like, I thought it was like a, a, a Malik where he has a set that this is what he wants to talk about. This he wants, this is what he wants to explore in the film. And there are things and it's not like, Oh, it's what you believe it's about. Like I didn't realize that. that's why I was so upset. I thought it was like super pretentious and like, this is what I want to talk about. And, th and this is how brilliant I am, but it's more like, nah, this is, I am brilliant, but this is, I just want to put everything for you and let you inter interpret it. Yeah, what yeah, yeah. I mean that's so, a, that's perfectly valid like reason to not like him because that is pretty much sort of how his films are, but um, I I I'm pretentious. Um, I I could understand why you see him as that, but you know I've always saw his his films as just like weird atmospheric stuff. It's like what is going on, but like I also like not knowing what's going on sometimes. Like, mm -hmm. like they're also really comforting in a way. Like, I watched Blue Velvet again. Uh, Blue Velvet. I think you've seen that one. I have. I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. Blue Velvet, it just feels like it takes place in, like, an alternate reality. Mm -hmm. And it's just, 
I don't know. It's just like nothing like I've ever seen before. I feel like that's such a generic phrase to say, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I mean, it's understandable. Like, I don't think he, if you've seen a David Lynch film, it's like unlike, basically, it's unlike anything you've seen. It is mm-hmm. basically like anything you've ever seen. And again, I feel so bad because I'm just, let's see, other director, I feel so bad. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, Louis Bunuel. Um, Louis Bunuel, yes. Why do you love Louis Bunuel? Uh, yeah. Louis Bunuel is, is so good. I feel like no one knows about him, but he's so good. I don't know why people don't talk about him when it comes to like, you know, all time best directors, but mm-hmm. I, he is. He really is. He's, he's like the master of the media. Mm-hmm. Um, he does surrealism as well. Um, but he does it in a different way. Like, I feel like his are just funnier. Like, they're, they're always mm-hmm. satire. They're always kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, have you heard of Un Chien Andalou? His uh, what? short film. So, there's this short film that he made with Salvador Dali where there's uh-huh. a scene in it where there's like a cloud that cuts over the moon. And then it cuts to a scene where an eyeball is being cut open with a knife. I feel like you might have heard of that scene. Probably. Ah. So that's kind of like an iconic thing. He came over to film. He's like, let's just tear it up. Let's just do whatever I want. (laughs) (laughs) He's just very... His movies are also very strange. Very strange, very funny. And he's he also has been around for a really long time. Like Unchin Lu was his first, came out in nineteen twenty nine. And his last movie uh, was in nineteen seventy seven. So wow. For like fifty years. So he went through all the different types of periods. Mm-hmm. And he has like a bunch of different phases too. Like he had the silent film phase, silent short film phase. Um he had a time where, like, it was just, he was just making, like, real, like, non, like, surreal films. And then later on, he started just going wild. <laughs> <laughs> he's got, like, he's just got a really diverse mm-hmm. array of films while also having a very specific style. Yeah. Yeah. And then, why is Wong Kar Wai your favorite director? What, like, what does he do in his films that like stand out to you? Like, man, and this you admire, and uh, what do you love about him? Like, what he tries to say in each of his films, and what he tries to do, basically. Okay, so I'm gonna try my best to explain, but I feel like I sometimes I just don't really know. It just, mm-hmm. works. but uh, so with these ones. I, his his movies are just so stylish. They have the mm-hmm. incredible style. Have you seen any of some, by the way? I've seen one for uh, for oh, a film together, club. Right? Happy Together, yeah. Yeah, Happy to- Together is good. That's not one of my favorites, but uh, yeah, he's got a style to them. The way he uses music is really exciting and, and fresh. Mm-hmm. Like in the movie Chunking Express, he uses like four songs throughout the whole movie just multiple times mm-hmm. songs he uses is california dreaming he plays that like 10 times <laughs> every single time like it works like every single time uh-huh. it, it mm-hmm. comes on you're just like 
Yep, that's the song. I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I I sort of talked about this on another podcast when I talked about Chunking Express. Um, the way he uses music is sort of like memories. Like, do you ever mm. look back at like a certain time in your life and you associate like you hear a song and you associate that with like a specific time? Yeah. That's sort of like the feeling his his films evoke in me. Like they sort mm-hmm. of make me feel like I'm remembering memories that haven't even happened and sometimes mm-hmm. have happened. Um they just really connect with me. Mm-hmm. And they're stylish and cool. Like his movies are very cool. <laughs> so like have it's like um <laughs> Zach, have you seen anything Zach Snyder's done? No. <laughs> you wait. You were part of uh, the film club, and did you watch Sucker Punch? Uh, I think I was. I don't know. I just. I think I just didn't watch that one. Okay, I was about to say. I'm like, so Zach Snyder has a th- reputation for making things look cool and being cool, but he also has have a reputation for not being the best filmmaker because he doesn't have coherent storytelling mm-hmm. or something like that so i'm <laughs> guessing that um wong kar wai makes his films feel like cool but like also like artistic have artistic merit mm-hmm. in a way when it comes to being right. a film and like they're also like they're like art house films but like secretly <laughs> yeah like happy together didn't seem like an art house film. I could see why it's an art house film. It just doesn't feel like an art house film. Like that's yeah, what, in my opinion. Very interesting. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah, sorry. I was about to say that's what, uh, in my opinion, that's what makes a good art house film is one that doesn't feel like an art house film or something that maybe because you're so used to it, but doesn't feel like an art house. Like, Oh, this is something that'd be played in indie cinemas. It's like, Oh, I could see this being a wide release or something like that. Mm hmm. Um, one thing I also want to point out and ask before I ask you about your favorite films is you, uh, out of our little group of friends, you're the only one who have seen Santa Nanago. That's exactly how you pronounce it. <laughs> how do you exactly pronounce it? Is it Santa Nanago? Um, so it's Hungarian. The actual mm-hmm. pronunciation is Schottentungo. Well, that's that's not just when i say it like that no that sounds right that sounds right yeah um to talk about that <laughs> yes i do want to talk you to talk about it for a little bit <laughs> it's so good like what exactly is this this mystifying mystic film um all right i guess i'll just explain to everyone who hasn't even heard of it, which I would assume there's probably a few. Um, so this movie is sort of like the final boss <laughs> in like movie watching. Uh, mm-hmm. so it's a seven and a half hour long Hungarian art film mm-hmm. uh, with like an average shot length of 10 minutes or so. Um, it's so long. And, um, final boss, if you watch this movie, you can watch anything. Basically, mm-hmm. the whole thing. Um, yeah. It's it's like a Tarkovsky film, but like on steroids. 
and like <laughs> are like already on steroids. <laughs> um, my actual experience with it. So yeah, this is a seven and a half hour long film. Obviously, yeah, you know you have to keep stressing that. So you gotta like watch it. I mean, you gotta like plan out for like a a long time in advance to watch it because it's mm-hmm. a big commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, so in December, I finished my semester of college, one of my last semesters, and I was like, I'm gonna watch this because it's mm-hmm. on the Criterion Channel, and I was just feeling feeling wild. I was just like, let's watch it. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> So I did. Um, I, I woke up at five in the morning and prepared snacks. I had like some food ready to, to eat because, you know, it's long. And I watched yeah. it in one sitting, which is a feat in itself. Um, no mm-hmm. breaks, nothing. Seven and a half hours all the way through. It was incredible. Like you would, you would be surprised. Like you would think seven and a half hours would be boring, but it wasn't. It felt like it was like two minutes long. This movie is insane. Like, wow, it's like hypnotic. So like, mm-hmm. I was watching it, and every once in a while, I would like look at my watch, and like an hour would pass, and it would just, it, it, I don't know how to describe it. Like. It's seriously, you have to experience it for yourself, or else you will mm-hmm. never, you will never get it, because this film is actually really, really something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and now uh, let's talk about your some. Let's talk about your uh, some of your favorite films. What are your, some of your favorite films? You already mentioned Chunking Pre- Chunking Express. Mm-hmm. What are some other favorite? And Boogie Nights is Boogie Nights still one of your favorite films of all time? Yeah, that's number three right now. Uh, all right, yeah, I'm just. Pull up my list. Pull up my list. One, or do you, should I go backwards? <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. However, you want to discuss them. Okay. I guess I'll just do 10, my top 10. All right. Okay. I'll move down from there. So, Chunking Express, number 10. Boom. Talked about that one already. Great film. Mm-hmm. Number nine, Last Year at Mary and Bad. Have you heard of that? Last Year at Mary Bad? Matt, last year at Marion Bad. What is that about? <laughs> um, okay, so it's it's a French New Wave film, and it's about this these two people who meet at a hotel called Her- mm-hmm. Marion Bad, and it's just like this guy keeps going up to this woman and is like, "Last year we like." we met each other and we like fell in love and then it goes on that it shows flashbacks of like what happened and, and you know stuff like that and then like it just immediately cuts back and like the woman goes up to him and is like telling the same story and then like, it keeps going on and every single time the story is completely different i it's it's wild like whoa 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 that's like actually really cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's insane i watched it and then once i finished i was like i'm watching this tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, and then your third is Boogie Nights, and that's yeah, just a whole yeah. bunch of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I'm surprised. It's like, in my opinion, it's like the more um, most emotional. Despite it being, I think it's the most funny. From what I've seen, it's pretty. It's the most funny that Paul Thomas Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson has done. But it's also it's got a, like a lot of heart, and it's like. Like his, like the acting is amazing, but it's also like deals with like a lot of relationships between characters, and they're like it's not as cold as some of his other films. It's actually like mm-hmm. very um, part and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. It's like a found family type thing. Like it, it has the potential to be like um, cheesy or like condemning of like porn stars because that's what it's about. But it's very loving. It really cares mm-hmm. about its characters, um, and it has a great soundtrack. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> um, uh, okay, number eight is Haosu. Um, wait, wait, I thought we, we skipped number... What happened to five and six? Oh, Did not, I skip it? down. I'm going, oh, I'm going, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. uh, okay, so Haosu, that one is just crazy mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. it's like a very weird very crazy movie it's mm-hmm. like it's like a horror movie but like just wacky and weird and it's mm-hmm. it feels like it's a movie that's so bad it's good but it's good <laughs> if that makes any i sense. mean i mean it's it's not purposely trying to be so bad it's good it's just mm-hmm. it's just weird like philosopher yeah but but uh yeah this whole time you're watching it you're like is this good is this bad does it even matter <laughs> like it's, it's a great it's, yeah. it's a really fun time i love it mm-hmm. because uh you know i'm always able to introduce people to it I, i'm always down to watch it i will if i've been talking to someone and they haven't seen it which you know there's like a hundred percent chance that they haven't then it's like Yep, now I can watch it with you. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just it's just really crazy. It's really fun to watch people like watch it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, number seven is the lighthouse. I know you. Love Let's go! I think. Oh, wait, I think that's exactly my place on when I had a favorite films of all time really? list. I number think seven? that was number seven. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was number seven. Oh man, I, I love could... this movie so much. I've seen it four times. So oh, same. I watched this in theaters. This was the last movie I watched before everything shut down. Really? Yeah, I was. It was the last um, playing of it in theaters, and I watched it with with uh, my roommate, one of my roommates, and one of our other friends. And we finished watching. You're like, what? What <laughs> 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 just happened? Like, is this good? Is this? bad like i feel like that's a, a lot of my movies where it's like i can't tell mm-hmm. this is good yeah it's yeah. like i remember watching it for the first time uh, i was watching with a number of old people i saw a couple walk out and i was really sad but um because i think they were expecting something different but i remember watching it and i just like i just couldn't process what i saw mm-hmm. and i was just so blown away by everything um, I could talk about The Lighthouse for a very, very long time. I love that film a lot. Yeah, um, The Lighthouse is so good. So, yeah, I watched that with my roommates, with one of my roommates and one of my other friends. And then the roommate that I watched it with, we watched it three more times throughout the year. 
Mm. Mm. And every time it's just a completely different experience. Like yes. Like I've the reason I watched like the second time I watched it, I watched it by myself and it was amazing. And then I introduced it to other people and it was just a completely different experience every time because Mm -hmm. we were like talking about the film and I was getting as relaxed. One person was like trying to figure out what was going to happen next. And I'm like, you kind of get it. He kind of got it right sometimes, but other times it was just a completely, it was just a completely different experience every time you watch it. And, um, yeah, I, I love that film a lot. I love that, and I. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm glad that you love that one because it, mm-hmm. it's so good. It's it definitely deserves all the praise that it gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, number six is this thing. I haven't seen that in so long, actually. I, but it's it's a movie about gambling. I don't really. Yeah, it looks it looks really good. It's, it looks really, really good. good. It's very solid. Really, a lot of a lot of twists and turns. It's a fun time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I really have to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's an ultimate dad movie. All dad. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, from what I hear, it's a it's a it's a nice dad movie. It's a nice dad movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five, like Samurai. <laughs> yeah, let's go. The the definition of style. Yes. Yes. Very cool. Yes, I would. I was about to say has one of the has. Arguably the coolest character um, in all film. It's and yeah, I'm so thankful you introduced it. And I mentioned it when we talked about it in the film club that I feel like it's James Bond. The James Bond. I, I'm not a huge fan of James Bond. I think it's a James Bond character done right. Like it's exactly mm-hmm. what James Bond should be. Exactly. He's very disconnected and meticulous. Mm-hmm. And it inspired um, a lot. Like, it inspired Drive and, uh... Dog. I mean, that one's not popular, but it inspired a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four is Inside Lewin Davis. I've seen that, like, six times. I have a really personal mm-hmm. connection with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even wrote a paper on that in my film analysis class when I took that yeah. three years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely my favorite Cohen film. Really good. It was my, also my first, and it was such a strong start. I'm like, wow, okay, I can understand why people love this. <laughs> I think it was mine too, actually. My, I think it was my first Coen Brothers. Mm, really mm. solid. I feel like it's it's the Coen Brothers at their best. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, Boogie Nights. We already went over that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so the top two. So the fabulous Baron Munchausen. That's such a fun movie. It's yeah, like a cartoon so brought to life. It's seriously, it really is. It's like it's like a pop up book, really. Um, yeah, that's such a great that's such a great uh, analogy. It's such a great yeah, example exactly. of what it's, it's like. like. So it's directed by Carol Zeman, who is a Czechoslovakian director who has fallen into obscurity, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But uh, Criterion's kind of bringing him back. Um, yeah. yeah, he he does a lot of uh, live action mixed with like animation, like and crazy set design. It's just a really fun watch. Like I, mm-hmm. I and it's like a very easy film to recommend to someone. That's why I love yeah. it so much too. 
Because if like someone's like, I want to watch something new, I will be like, you got to watch this then because you're going to love it because everyone could like it. <laughs> it's just like, it, again, it's like, it's other than like a pop-up book, it's like a cartoon brought to life, like the way uh, Muchal, I remember the, like the obvious way that it's like a cartoon brought to life is the lighting, but also like when he went through a wall, it was just his outline, which is like, that's ex- like straight out of cartoons, which is... Yeah. It's got uh, a really good sense of humor to it as well, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. since it's such such a low key movie, uh, I can I think it's safe to say that I am the person who's seen it the most ever. <laughs> I think I, that I am actually the person who has logged it the most on Letterboxd, which is pretty great. Mm. Um, and, and then your number one is Chunking. No, no, it's Chunking's number ten. Oh, my bad. (laughs) (laughs) Number one is The Young Girls of Rushmore. (gasps) That's your new favorite? Yes, it's so good. One of the most pleasant experiences ever. It's just movie magic. And it's like the most wholesome thing I've ever seen in my life. It's so good. It just brings me into a a great place. I I just love Mm -hmm. it so much. Um, have you seen Paddington, like Paddington 1 or 2? I haven't, but I have a theory that Paddington 2 has a lot of potential to maybe be my new favorite because of <laughs> my track record for favorites. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, it's just, it's just, it's just pleasant. It's just, you'll have a big grin on your face and it's super sweet. Um, it's, it plays a lot of homages to like cinema and um it's it's great and paddington's such an amazing character i think um it's just a, a generally a really pleasant experience um and yeah and I, citizen kane. oh it is be- it is better than citizen kane i've seen both it's better than citizen kane <laughs> yeah it's better than citizen kane on rotten tomatoes <laughs> i think it doesn't it, I wonder if it also has a high it's higher than I'm gonna check right now Citizen Kane and I'm gonna see if it's higher than um Citizen Kane and Letterbox too. Let me check. Oh it might be. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and let me see where it is. Uh no, it's not. Citizen Kane's on, on the Letterbox 250, it's 145 and uh Paddington 2's 211, but uh, they both have the same like like basis rating. The ones uh they're both four point twos. Um, speaking of Paddington too, you have a tendency to stray away from more recent releases. Why is that? And you also tend to stray from more of American English speaking recent releases. Why do you tend to stray away from more recent stuff? Um... I, I don't know. I guess it's because I'm pretentious. <laughs> no, um, I'm, a, I'm really interested in like all the different types of film movements and film history. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my favorites is the French New Wave. I think yeah. relatively obvious for me. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I love I love learning about all the different types of film movements and how they've like inspired the stuff today, even though those aren't even the things that I watch, like the movies today. <laughs> like, um, 
Also, I I um a couple of years ago started doing the one thousand one movies you must see before you die, mm-hmm. and those are a lot more old stuff. So I yeah wired my brain into doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing that I'm maybe thinking of is I like watching good stuff, and. <laughs> when you're like in the modern time like you don't know what's good and what's bad until like a few years from now and i don't really want to learn it on my own (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah i don't have anything else um is there anything else you want to say before uh we wrap up uh no i don't think so all right. Well, I I think that'll be it. Thank you so much for coming on, Austin. It was a pleasure talking to you. And um, yes, you're so welcome. Um, if you don't want, if you uh, want to listen to Austin speak some more, he recorded some episodes on the uh, the Cineflect podcast. But for all our viewers, thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you later, Austin. All right. See you. See you. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, next few episodes, we're going to have two more guests on. It's going to be Quentin for next episode. I Hopefully it'll be either this Sunday or Saturday or next sometime next week. And then after that, I'll be ringing on Siegel. They're both from Letterboxd. I'll be talking to them about themselves and their influences and taste among some other things that are tailored to them Anna thank you for listening I hope you enjoyed and if you did be sure to be on the lookout for more episodes in the future I think we're done here so please step out of my office